Havana, Cuba, April 1st, 1980. Five men commandeer a bus, aiming it at the gate of the Peruvian embassy. Cuban guards outside the gate open fire. Chaos ensues. A guard dies in the crossfire as the bus rams through the gate. Over the next five days, the grounds of the Peruvian embassy are flooded with an estimated 10,000 Cubans. It's standing room only in the tropical heat. They have little to no food. They drink water from puddles. Of those who remain over the course of the next few weeks, many become sick. Some even die. But it doesn't matter. They came seeking asylum. They came seeking freedom. Almost 40 years ago, during the sweltering summer of 1980, Fidel Castro found himself at the center of an international refugee crisis. His response? He declared that any Cubans desiring to leave the island of Cuba could do so, as long as someone outside of Cuba would come to the island and claim them. Between April and September of 1980, 1,600 vessels commissioned by previously exiled Cubans crossed the Florida Straits to claim more than 125,000 Cubans. The boats returned to the United States overloaded with precious cargo. Cuban families exiled from their homeland, searching for freedom. This is the story of one of those families, a story from the exiled South. As the torciadores quietly rolled their cigars and the despaliadoras stripped the stems from the tobacco leaves, they were entertained, informed, and inspired by literature and the daily news. So began the tradition of El Lector, the reader. This is the El Lector podcast, stories and cigars from the exiled South. Welcome to the Elector Podcast. Uh, my name is Marcos, and we are recording once again before a live audience. <laughs> Come on, guys. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All six of them. It's great. All six of them. Yeah, it's, it's a large audience fest here at the Palm Island Resort. Yet another disclosed location. Yeah. Another special episode That's where we true. actually tell you where we're at. That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> we're a moving target. But this one is like our normally non-disclosed location this one's also really freaking hot yes we are outside we're underneath the pool structure we're sitting by a beautiful pool yeah this is a really nice resort here and on the west coast of florida uh palm island resort in cape hayes port uh, charlotte harbor right yeah yeah and it should be noted that we're not recording here for the palm island resort we're actually on our very 
Adam right. Sandler grown ups yeah esque multiple family vacation yeah yeah episode all, exactly all the kids are back in the in the condos uh, being taken by various people we brought along just for I was that say reason. wait did anybody somebody watching the kids <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say unlike those movies though there's been a ton of laughs here we've really been enjoying ourselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no scandalous <laughs> behavior. So tonight we are all three smoking. Victor could not be with us, by the way. So the three of us here are smoking uh, La Flor Dominicana Andalusian Bulls. Uh, this was the cigar of the year last year. We're enjoying them to celebrate uh, being on vacation. Mm. And this is a wonderful gift from you, Mark, to the rest of yeah, us. Thank you very much. Thank man. you. Yeah, These there's are hard a, to come by. Well, uh, I got on the mailing list. We were going out of town a month ago, and my wife is very organized and had like hour by hour we had it all planned out when we needed to get somewhere and i had to run to the grocery store and so i'm furiously googling at a stoplight there has to be a cigar shop close to my house because my normal cigar shop is you know was not in the right direction so i'm very thankful that that about a mile from my house there's a cigar shop and so Mm -hmm. i got on their mailing list a month ago and just before i was leaving to come to this trip i got an email that, that the cigar of the year 2016 was in stock i was like oh what a perfect opportunity. Now, so many people hate on this cigar. I've heard, like, you know, around town, really, not, you know, I guess, uh, you know, wannabe connoisseurs uh, really don't like the cigar. But I, this is probably the third one I've had, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, uh, it's excellent. It's by Lito Gomez, right? La yeah, Flor Dominicana. La Flor Dominicana. And um, it's a, it, we, we, we've, we've read up on it. We did a little bit of homework in our pre, uh, yeah, pre-show yeah. prep, right? Yeah, uh, all of an hour. Right? <laughs> <laughs> actually, it was about ten minutes. Uh, we uh, <laughs> we actually looked it up and we uh, and we we found out some stuff on it. Yeah, so the the shape it's not a toro or a gigante or a robusto. It's a salamone, or these are called salamones. So it's a salamone. Salamones, yeah, it's a salamone shape. It's a it's a what we we discovered is that it's a very uh, it's a rare shape for a cigar, but it's a it's an old school shape that that's kind of been brought back. You know what it reminds me of is uh pinocchio which i have young kids i get to watch disney movies constantly i was gonna now. say i really want to see you how you take this home okay so what everyone forgets about pinocchio because everyone remembers the blue fairy and when you wish upon a star and i'm a real boy but what you don't remember is the part where he gets sent to the island because he's a jackass and it's scary as can be do yeah. not show it to your little kids right <laughs> nightmare fuel for sure yeah. but the cigars. It's like the cartoon cigar. That's what I thought of when I saw this. I was like, oh, it's because it's yeah. always like a torpedo, the, the and this kind of has a shape, torpedo, yeah. but it's, it's this is a very like curvy cigar. Like the it's big got a lot cigar. of kind of almost a, a slight Floydy, bulbous pink, thing. Pink, yeah. pink Floydian. It, it has a tremendously cool draw. It's a surprisingly cool draw. I really like bigger cigars, and um, but this is got this is like. I almost want to talk about it like a like a weapon. Like it's extremely well balanced. It's very. It's got a real heft to it, and it, and it feels really nice to touch. Like the wrapper's so silky, and it's such a yeah. smooth, cool draw. It's a real surprise to me. One of the things I noticed, it just it's just I I don't think I've ever held a cigar that feels as nice to hold. Like it's just yeah. it's, There's like a heft to it. So. Yeah, yeah. It's got it's it's and it's really full flavored and smooth at the same time. I think it deserved the uh, the number one, especially when reading up on all that went into it, you know. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's it. What I found out about this cigar when I was researching it is that they used the piloto seed, which was brought, as we found out recently, it was brought from uh, Cuba to the Dominican Republic by the Torano family when they left Cuba, and they brought it from their home, their their home in uh, Pinar de Rio, 
Um, so that kind of brings us to why we're here today. We are, and, and I'm going to let her tell me how she would like to be introduced. We're going to introduce Morelis, our friend. Her name is Morelis. How, how, how do, what do we call you, uh, your full name? You can call me Morelli McLeod, but my maiden name is Ray. Okay, Morelli McLeod, maiden name is Ray. Thank you, Morelli, for being here. Everybody, please, Woo-hoo! round of applause. Yay! All six of you, excellent. Thank you, thank you. And, uh, and we're here today interviewing Morelli, so thank, thankful for, her, for you being here with us today and, and agreeing to tell your story with us. Thank you for being interested. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Morelis has uh, we we actually actually it was Mark's idea. Yeah, to I remember bring her on. a few summers back, probably three or four years ago. You told your story of coming to America in a, a room full of people, and it was silent. I think every single person was just paying laser focused attention. And I, since that day, I'm like, man, that's such a fascinating story. Like, so when we started doing the podcast, I was like, oh, we absolutely have to have an interview with Morelli. Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. So Morelli, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself now? What are you doing? Where do you live? What's going on in your life? So I live in Miami, Florida. Um, I'm married to David and we have three kids. Cool. Um, Stephen is 11, Madison is nine, and Luke is six. I'm an HR director for the Discovery Channel and I've worked there for about 17 years. And um, I am truly blessed with a wonderful life. Excellent. Um, and that's hugely to do with the sacrifice that my parents hmm. did 30-some years ago. Um, because when, when I went back a couple of years ago, the, the girl that was born around the same time that I was is raising pigs hmm. in Cuba. Wow. So it really was a huge, um, I don't even know the word, but to think that that could have been Mm -hmm. me now. Right. Um, You got to have it. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. Kind of moment. You got to see an alternate ending. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And I, I think would I... I mean, when I think of what my parents actually did to, to just literally leave everything that they knew, it wasn't like today that you, you're aware of what's out there or, you know, we have the internet or we're familiar with, with other countries or nations or whatever. They literally had no idea what mm-hmm. was across that ocean. Yeah. Um, and just to literally leave every single thing behind and not know if they would ever well actually they left my mom tells me that she left and she thought she would never again see her family mm. ever mm-hmm. um and i think is, could i do that now i and honestly i i don't know i don't know yeah. if i would have that strength now we um we want to get into that part of the story and mm-hmm. you set it up perfectly but i don't want to i don't want to i think we all love bacon i don't want to come down on pig farmers right <laughs> yeah i think and, and and to set this up for the wider audience who, who may not know you know what, what you're talking about because a lot of people don't have uh, you know we're we're, we're going to be heard in different places um hopefully and uh, and what happens is people have this idea of cuba that is very myopic uh, or, or very limited. 
So what when you say that about your 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 cousin who was who was born around the same time, right? And and she's raising pigs. That's not a knock on 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 agriculture or no, <laughs> anything like no, that. No, no, no. So tell us so tell us first so so do this. Why don't you tell yeah. us where where were you born? So I was born in a very small little city with um streets of there weren't streets it was like dirt roads um it was called bauta and i was um it was me and my parents we lived with my grandmother my my um dad's mom um because typically you you just live with the family that you are with it's not like you move out or you buy a house of your own so it's it's very um, it's a unit and you mm-hmm. just stay there and when the, that generation passes you stay in that house and, it, and it's that's how it is um, so when I when I meant that she was raising pigs I meant that when I went back to the house that I was born in and grew up in my neighbor what she did was have pigs in yeah. her backyard yeah, yeah. Yeah. and raise them to sell them to make ends meet. Right, because of the Cuban situation. Absolutely. And that's where I was going with yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Was, yeah. So, so what what was going on? I mean, what have you, what did your parents tell you was going on in Cuba at the time that prompted Yeah, so leave? really, I mean, if we're going to use the term, the straw that broke the camel's back yeah. for, for my family, or, or especially my mom, um, and I'm very much like her, um, she was standing in line for about three or four hours to buy me a pair of shoes and when she got to the front of the line they had run out of shoes um and she was like that's it i can't i can't do this anymore Mm -hmm. um and we were leaving yeah and i don't know how we're gonna do it um but we're gonna find a way and it was in the night it was in 1980 which was the mariel Mariel um, the mariel boat lift Um, and just to give you a little bit of background about the Mario boat lift, um, some Cubans had broken into an embassy, um, right. and right, I can't remember if it was Peru or it Panama, was a Peruvian embassy, Peruvian yeah. embassy mm-hmm. and w- would not leave and were trying to get asylum from the Peruvian embassy. Um, and it caused so much, um, mayhem within the country that finally Castro said, okay, you can leave if you are a criminal, if you're in jail, or if you're a political prisoner. Right. Um, so those were the only people that were able to leave legally out of Cuba. Um, and so he created this area by uh, El Mariel, mm-hmm. um, which is by the water, yeah. and it was tons of tents and cots and that's where you would stay until you were able to get on a boat to leave now who who how, what boats were there to take well, away um so just to back up a little bit and that that area was called el mosquito right because it was infested with mosquitoes right. uh, and there wasn't off for sure yeah <laughs> um so it was a, like a very, um, it was a, a bad situation. And it's, remember the people that were able to leave. It was criminals and people mm-hmm. in jail and political prisoners. So it wasn't like the best right. crowd. 
So um, my dad had uh, a friend who, whose dad was a political prisoner. So my dad was able to get some papers forged to mm-hmm. make it look <clears throat> like he was adopted by this man. So because his father was a political prisoner, mm-hmm. not really, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, we were able to get paperwork to get permission to leave. But how it worked was you would put your name out there that you wanted to leave and then you had to be prepared at a moment's notice. They would come knock on your door and say, okay, it's time to leave. And they would put you on a bus and take you to El Mosquito. Right. Um, to wait there until there was a boat ready to, for you to get on. Um, so there were, there were rules. Like from the moment that you asked permission and got approved to leave, of course, not knowing when it was that you were going to leave, um, you could not take a single thing out of your house to give to any family member. My grandmother, my mom, my my dad's mom that we lived with was communist. Yeah. So she was obviously furious that we were leaving. So mm-hmm. she was looking for also any opportunity to like turn us in. So. Wow. So we couldn't do any, or my parents couldn't do anything Mm -hmm. that would compromise that, you know, opportunity to leave. And my mom had eight brothers and sisters and her parents, Mm -hmm. and her parents are extremely poor. Yeah. Living in the country with nothing. And uh, my mom has always been an extremely hard worker. Mm -hmm. So she had like a fan, a refrigerator, and wanted very much to leave those to, you know, to her family. Mm-hmm. Um, but she knew that if she took anything out of the house, like baby picture, anything, that they would get arrested. Wow. wow. And wouldn't be able to leave. So. So you couldn't even be seen taking any. Nothing. She couldn't be seen taking anything Not out even of the house. A f- not even a fork. Because even the, someone was watching. Uh, yes. Who's watching? Someone is watching. Who's and that, watching? And that someone wasn't uh, the, well, abstract. My, well, my grandmother yeah. was watching. Your own but also yeah. um, neighbors. Yeah. You know, everybody was looking for an opportunity because as soon as you said that you wanted to leave, you're now a traitor. Yeah. You, you're a worm, un gusano. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are com- excommunicated yeah, from, yeah. Right. you know, yeah. the your community mm-hmm. um so it was it was i want to say like months that you're in this holding pattern knowing that one day they might come knocking on your door to say okay it's time to go uh so finally that that night came mm-hmm. um and my parents just walked out the door without anything got onto the bus and it was what the Cubans would do is when, because I'm assuming that it was a marked bus, and, and so other Cubans would throw food or eggs or um, <coughs> at the bus, you know, uh, as yeah. like um, my mom says that she remembers um, whispering under her breath as the Cubans are throwing food and eggs at the bus. She, she says, you better save those eggs mm. and that food because you're going to need it. You're going to need it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so during those months when 
you know, you guys had applied, or, you know, your parents had applied yeah. for the asylum. Um, so your grandmother, she, no one in your family knows that you guys have applied, right? Correct. So it's like, I mean, it's just like your ghost one day, right? Exactly. Wow. My mom could not tell. And, and my mom is extremely close to her family, extremely close. My mom has always been like the, um, the caretaker, the, she's the second oldest. And, um, so that was devastating for her not to be able to say anything. Um, and just to have to one day disappear was very, very hard. You know, there's an interesting dynamic with your children and how they interact with your parents or your in-laws, they have a totally different perspective than you might have, right? Right. From from an adult point of view. So there's this incredible tension between your grandmother oh, and your course. parents. Yeah. How did that, what did you perceive? Did you, was it obvious? Did you pick up on it at that young age? Or was she, was kindness shown to you from her? Did any of that translate to no, you? No, my mother, my grandmother was never a loving person so i i don't remember her with fondness or affection Mm. she was extremely communist so i think that that just permeated into everything that she did um she hated my mother because my mother was like the anti of communism and she was always very capitalist if you know my mom so, <laughs> but your dad kind of is too. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. Um, but, but it was really like m- my dad was the one that found the way to leave. Mm-hmm. But my mom was the one that was like, "We're leaving," and mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. We're leaving. But my dad definitely never looked back. I mean, he yeah. was like, "Okay, we're gonna find a way," and mm-hmm. and he. Um, you know, my parents are divorced now, Mm -hmm. but one thing that they do share in common is, um, those memories and they, they both remember it the same way, which there are very few stories that they remember the same way. (laughs) So, so this one is definitely one that, that they, that is, is the same. So, so they get on the bus. So they get on the bus and we're taken to El Mosquito. And it's, again, all of these tents and cots. And you have to wait there until there's a boat that's available for you to, to get on. Yeah. Um, so how it works is they have all these tables with passports. And so when there's a boat ready, then they call you up to the table to get your, to get your passports. Um, so what happened with us was my mom says we were there for a couple of days, which I mean, today we're in an area for, a couple of hours and, and we're there losing are mosquitoes minds. and yeah. we're like yeah. imagine being in these tents full of mosquitoes with prisoners criminal i mean I, yeah again it's I, I guess that's that's what you do when when yeah when the situation is so desperate so 
there so what would happen was Americans or Cubans that were already in the United States would charter boats right. to come to Cuba to pick up their family members. But what the Cuban government would do is, okay, you're here to pick up these four people. All right, you can pick up these four people and you're going to have to pick and take 20 more. So they would purposely overflow the boats with people and then purposely not let the boats leave until it was either nighttime or terrible weather because what the Cuban government wanted is for all of these boats to sink or mm. capsize. Um, wow. I mean, they were evil wow. people. See, I never heard that part. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so there was a boat ready that fit our family. It was just the three of us. And they called us up and they couldn't find my passport. So it was just my parent, my parents' passports were together. And they told my mom, you're gonna have to leave her. Of course, right. there's no way on God's green <laughs> earth that my mom is gonna leave me. So she says that- I feel they, like we should stop for our listeners and just okay. let them know that you actually made it here. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> if they didn't, um, not, not And to, not so to ruin she the says story. that it, that what to her was, out of everything, the the most, it was like so close to leaving, and then the the thought that this is it, like yeah. our opportunity, we're so close to that boat, and now our opportunity is is wow. gone. Yeah. And she says that she she doesn't know how it happened, but she her eyes just started scouring over all of the tables and the passports were open you know all the passports of everybody that was there and she she says she just remembers just like looking and desperately you know to see if maybe she saw my passport and and she did it was like two tables away and it was with another family and she doesn't know how she saw it and I mean, and she, she says she remembers screaming and saying, no, look, there, there's her passport. Um, and so they um, grabbed um, grabbed the passport and they were like, okay, all right, your family's here, here are the passports. So they loaded us onto, literally like a herd, like cows, herding us onto a boat, um, a small boat this isn't like a yacht or anything it's you know probably like maximum capacity like maybe 12 people yeah um and there was probably like 25 people on it um and so we got on my mom was able to sneak on a rusted can of sweetened condensed milk Mm -hmm. because remember she had no idea what was going to be on the other side right what was what was going to be waiting for for us and yeah and that's uh, let me let me pause there for a second because <clears throat> there's that's 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 another thing we need to stop on there because at this point even today but more so in 1980 mm-hmm. i mean there was cubans had no idea what was going on in the world around them no it was all none. filtered through the media the well Cuban media, exactly right? and you imagine what um what was filtered was things like um, those Americans are evil. Yeah. Like when you get there, they're, you know, you're going to be prisoners. You're going to like the stories that, that they heard was, or were, um, like 
I mean, just the, the stories of of the United States being the evil empire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a, that's and that they were they were going to treat them wrongly. And, absolutely. Uh, right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So um, I didn't want to sidetrack you there, but I just wanted to, no, to touch yeah. that because that's 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 important to know uh, that even that was in 1980 and he w- here we are in 20. What is it? 17. And it's it, there's definitely more information coming through yeah. because of technology, um, and and that's great. And there there has been some some uh, a little bit of lenience with the government, and also they can't really control that coming in there. Right. But even to this day, when when we've been back there, we've we we talk to people and we see that it's like wait no that's not how, what, you have the you have that all wrong yeah, on whatever subject. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's crazy even today they believe those lies and there's so much information. Imagine yeah. 30 some years ago when there was no information yeah. and everything was filtered. Right. Um, the, the information was just that, that it was an evil empire that, that we were going into hell. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I've asked my mom, like, wh- why did you leave? I mean, and, and she just said that she knew she knew in her heart that it couldn't be true hmm. that that there had to be something better hmm. and that this couldn't be she she just in her heart couldn't see me growing up there right that she had to do everything that she possibly could to to give me the best opportunity possible right so Even if has, it meant leaving every single thing behind and never ever seeing her family again. Yeah. And she brings her can of condensed milk. And she brings her cans of sweet condensed milk because yeah. she didn't really know. She thought, I, what if I get there? And then we don't have any money. We don't know anybody. We don't, we don't have any food. At least I'll have a little something. Oh, yeah. So they had no family here. Well, my dad with. had an uncle in Georgia. Mm-hmm. But uh, like a distant uncle, um, but that was it. One uncle, and uh, but nothing else. Yeah. So we were so we got herded onto the boat, and I think uh, how long is it from Cuba to? I mean, not that to anybody Key West, Havana can, to Key West. Was it Key West that you landed, or was ninety it? miles? Ninety miles. Okay, so it yeah. took us a full day. Okay. A twenty-four hours. Mm from Cuba wow. to Key West. So imagine how bad the seas yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. Cuz usually I think it would take what yeah, like I know 3 hours to go to Bimini like in a couple hours yeah. it's 70 yeah. miles. So. Yeah. so it took so we left on May 17th um, and we got here on May 18th which was my mom's birthday. Mm. We landed in Key West and as soon as we landed there was I mean dozens of military waiting there um and the first thing that they made every cuban that got off the boat do was throw everything away that they had so they they made my mom throw away that can of sweetened condensed milk Mm. and she's you know she says that that to her was like devastating because she didn't know where how she was going to provide or the smallest tiniest morsel yeah, of security that exactly she had. that she had and she had to throw yeah. it away um so actually 
when we when we got off they took pictures of of all of us i never knew that these pictures existed and fast forward to 19 i was i think a sophomore in college i became an american citizen and when i became an american citizen there was this huge file that they had of me wow and the lady opened it and I saw these pictures on this folder and I, I asked her, can I see these? And there was these pictures that they had taken of me in 1980 when I just landed off the boat. And it was, it's really cool. It was very like emotional, like, oh my goodness, there's this record of me coming to America for the first time that I never knew existed. It was yeah. a really a neat thing. So I asked her if I could have them and she said yes. What did, awesome. what, what did that feel like when you, you know, when we're that young, sometimes the information is what we remember and sometimes it's what we've been told. Yeah. What did it f mean? To see that? To see that picture, to, for it to be tangible. It, well, it, it almost like made it, real if that makes sense like yeah. it was like oh wow this was documented like something that i never knew existed was was there and had followed me all along you know because i i grew up in tampa and here i am in miami getting my citizenship so obviously that's a file that moved with me i never knew something like that existed so anyway and, so, there's, and there's no family pictures that came with you. So nothing. Right. So that's really. Well, I mean, years later when my mom went back, she was able to um, to get some baby pictures of me that, that's, that were somehow preserved, I think, by neighbors. And because yeah. my grandmother had passed. And so neighbors um, went in and, and saved all these things. And, and in Cuba, like your neighbor when you're born is the neighbor that you have when you die. Like people yeah, don't right, move. Right. So that was also a neat part of my story of being able to go back and all these like neighbors come in from the woodwork yeah. and start giving me things that they had collected wow. that were mine. Uh, even dresses and oh, wow. baby clothes. And so that was really, really yeah. special. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, no, I, no I was just going say, through. I think that's such a, a profound part of the story because like, I have a, a five-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son and a baby. And um, I, I mean, I think there's not a single day in their lives that we don't have documented and saved on 14 different servers. Somewhere. Yeah. 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 And to, to say, I mean, it, it makes me feel emotional just to think of that it was so bad or that the, the hope was just not there to the point that your parents would say no. We're leaving. We will leave all of this behind. Yeah. It, it has to be better. Yeah. Without even knowing that it was better. Yeah, no. Just on faith, like on, on, on hope. Like, I think on that's hope. so yeah. incredible. Yeah. So when we, so we got to, to Key West and there was a, uh, an airplane waiting for us. Um, and they, and my mom says that the, there were actually some military that spoke Spanish and they saw my mom was very clearly upset about having to throw away her sweet and condensed milk and shaken up and, you know, and, and they told her, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Mm. 
you're safe now. It's all going to be okay. Um, so it was, it was uh, like a relief and um, the, the treatment could have been very different. It, it could have been a military that was, you know, these, we were immigrants. We were, you know, I mean, think of the people nowadays that come into our countries and yeah. how they're treated you know we were those people yeah um and we were actually treated very kindly and then mm. and treated with respect and and dignity and and cared for now your your mom your mom and dad have told you that that uh, have fed part of the story for you and they told you the uh that all these people were put on the boat um, did they say uh, that if any of them looked like shady, that it looked like there oh, were yes. some criminals oh, on there as well with you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. There was all kinds of people there. Yeah. 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 Were they one of the only family? Were you guys one of the only families no, on there? No, no, no. There were a lot of oh. families, but there were a lot of bad people too. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So, that, I mean, that, that harkens. I think when when people think of the Mariel boat lift, the, any any self-respecting uh, dude will think yeah. of Scarface, right? Yeah. He's just pulling yeah. up the, the and, plot. And because uh, that starts yeah. out with, with uh, Mario boat, yeah. Uh, yeah. boat lift footage and, yeah. and all these criminals coming over. Mm -hmm. And that, that indeed did happen, but you're painting a different picture. You're, you're saying, hey, some families came in too. And Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the military was very, very kind Hmm. Uh, now I'm not saying that they were kind to everyone. Sure, um, but guys. I think that they that they um, realized that things had to be really, really bad for for these families to leave everything that they had to come to a world that they didn't know. Right. So we got in a plane and they took us to Pennsylvania to some army barracks that were that had been um vacated for years yeah they were repurposed yeah exactly so they were repurposed and they um so they when when you got there they gave everyone like a little bag with toiletries and um clothes um and then you would get processed there and then you couldn't leave until you had a family member that claimed you. Right. Um, so we were there for about three months. Um, and you guys were talking about puzzles. My <laughs> mom started working on a puzzle the day that she got there. And, um, the day that she finished the puzzle was the day that we were called to be able to leave. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, my mom thinks very fondly of puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so my, my uncle that lived in Georgia, um, he claimed us. Um, and so we moved to Atlanta and we moved in with them um and it was funny because from the american side you know the people that were here you know all these cubans invading <laughs> america yeah. and so i i hear stories of that they would go and and 
you know, buy like all this food off the shelves because, you know, all these like immigrants were coming and they were going to run out of food. No and way. Serious. Yeah. Anyway. So were there a lot of Cubans? Like, was there a big Cuban influx coming into Atlanta? Is that what? No. I, well, it was <laughs> Miami, Tampa. Right, Miami and right. Tampa were the two. Yeah, yeah, those were, were the, the two, two big, big ones. ones. Yeah. So we moved to Atlanta. We lived with my um, with my dad's uncle, and and we're still extremely close with them. And mm. and to this day, my mom is indebted to them for. They didn't have to do that. Yeah. Um. So we lived with them for maybe like two weeks, but, um, you know, my parents never wanted to impose. And so right away, my mom was a seamstress and my dad was a mechanic. Um, remember, they didn't speak English, like, at all. Right. And, um, and Atlanta isn't necessarily like a melting pot of right. Spanish <laughs> language, at least back in the 80s. Yeah. Um, but they had skills and so they were able to get uh jobs so my mom again was so she worked in a factory and my dad was a mechanic and then they put me in a daycare um and i have terrible memories of the that first daycare that that they put me in i i remember putting like these candies down my throat to to vomit because I hated going there so badly because I would remember the teachers would make fun of me because I couldn't speak English wow so I remember being in a corner being made fun of by the teachers it was my mom couldn't even take me to school yeah um she would have to have my dad take me because it was you know i, I shudder at that a little bit there because i my sassy my wife who's sitting here with me with us she has the same exact story when she came from chile and she was living in uh, i believe brownsville texas right and and denver colorado as well and it just you know, uh, uh, and she's got issues because of that time when when they 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 just treated her horribly. Yeah. And made and uh, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. So so because you didn't speak English. Yeah. They treated you that way. A yeah. little five year old girl. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. So it was. So during that time, um, my, my mom was is to this day an extremely talented st- seamstress. Um, but she was working in a factory with machines that she wasn't familiar with. You know, these were much more refined machines. Um, but again, being a factory and probably, ha- you know, the, the people not really caring if the, if the machines are maintained or not, um, the machine she was working on didn't have like a, a guard. And so she was sewing and she broke her fingers um but she was so scared of losing her job that she didn't say anything and so she continued working with her broken fingers Mm. um and if you know anything about being a seamstress i mean oh yeah like what you use is your your hands my my date my side job yeah (laughs) no but i know what you mean so um I, I just think, I mean, I'm, I'm in HR 
today and I shudder at the thought of someone being in that situation and feeling like they have absolutely no recourse or you know being so afraid of of losing you know their job so because they both had jobs um we moved into a, a very small apartment um but to us it was like a mansion i mean it was the greatest thing in the world our little own place and from the you're still in atlanta right we're still in atlanta Mm -hmm. and um so, so the church from from the second that we landed and and got to atlanta the church has always played such an important part in in our lives Mm-hmm. And so there was a pastor that I, I don't really even know how, but I, I, I think it was that there was these churches that obviously were aware of these situations and so proactively, proactively sought out immigrants that came to, to be able to, you know, provide them with things and and donate things and so um i i remember having this this church group coming and giving us furniture and clothes and toys and um it was amazing Mm. i mean these people that didn't know us and like just took care of us it was it was really an you know an amazing experience you know to have people care for you in in such a way right um crazy as it sounds we were there for about six months and um it was too cold for my parents. <laughs> absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Um, Caribbean blood is too thin. Exactly. Yeah. And so we had some friends in Tampa. And so we we decided to move to Tampa. And um, again, uh, kind of another like fast forward funny story. One of the first things that we bought was a Polaroid camera. And so we would take all these looking back now like ridiculous pictures silly photos yeah of course they were all silly yeah (laughs) like a picture next to a doll a picture next to the you know like and we would send all these pictures back home you know and wrote on you know on the bottom my mom would write letters and um and people that um like there were people that had been here for many, many years that, you know, the Cuban community kind of becomes, you know where the Cubans are. And so yeah. if she found out that there was a Cuban traveling back, you know, she would send pictures. Oh, so that's whatever. how they send them back. Exactly. Okay. All right. um, so again, years back when I went, there's all these pictures that my family had saved and I had a great time. Oh, these Polaroids. These Polaroids. <laughs> so you got like, to see oh these same pictures exactly. in Cuba. That's in neat. Cuba. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so we moved to Tampa. 
and um, our, our life started there, mm. pretty much. Um, my so m- my parents again. My dad was a mechanic, and, and my mom worked in a factory. And because they worked really late hours, or you know, until like five thirty or, or six, and, and we had absolutely no family, so they needed somewhere that had a daycare mm-hmm. and public schools didn't you know public schools would let out at a certain time and you that was it that was it yeah um but there was a christian school that was very close to where we lived and my parents weren't christians and they weren't catholic they weren't i mean yeah but there was this little christian school it was a baptist church and i i mean to this day i it was God, clearly, mm. because I, that is another clear, when I look back to see how I, like my path, that was yeah. for sure the path that... It was a God thing, for sure. At, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I, I started going to this Christian school, and uh, I mean, like the treatment there was... I, I was loved and cared for and um, taught to speak English. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was petrified of speaking to the other kids or let alone speaking in front of, yeah. Yeah. of a class. Or, And I remember the teachers being so kind and loving and and godly and yeah um so that's where i got saved yeah and and so i i went there to the to the fifth grade and my my mom and dad would get credit because they had this old old car that in fact i would before i even knew what air conditioning was inside a car i would tell my parents I'm like what are these other people doing they're crazy why do they drive around with their windows up um I later realized that it's because they had air conditioning and we didn't yeah it's funny because now in Miami we can always tell the tourists because they're driving the rented convertible with the top yeah exactly what are you doing you're crazy it's like a million degrees you know uh, just real quick before we go any further there's very few moments where four ugly guys doing a podcast that I wish we were doing a video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is a real treat for me because I've known you for a long time and I've never actually gotten to hear this story. And the moment you talked about the apartment, the way your face lit up, I just wish people could have seen that. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it, it's uh, my, my thinking is on, on Tampa when you're talking about Tampa and your experience mm-hmm. in Tampa. And I, w- I want to go back to that uh, because you, you mentioned when you were in, you, you spoke about how what happened in the daycare in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You were only there for a brief mo- brief time. And you come to this other place. Um, was it, was, uh, did you guys move into a, like a, like a mixed community? Was it a Cuban community? Because I've, I've heard, like I have family that yeah. moved, that went from Cuba to Tampa. And they, they, that was even more of an enclave experience for them than it was even almost very similar to ours down here. 
uh, with family in Miami with family, but over there it was like you, you, they would move into a, an entire community of Cubans, a small one, but yeah, several different families. Was that kind of what you jumped into? Yes, there and were, w- and I, also was the school uh, part of that as well, or was that no? Something else? So the the school they were all Americans, all Americans. Yeah, there was okay. not really any Hispanic. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Child, or you know, like I didn't have like some buddies that also didn't speak Spanish. Right. I mean, speak English. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really was like the only one that. So that was a great contrast from Atlanta to oh yeah to coming over there yeah, and having that yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, we moved into a duplex, um, and I remember it was like a group of four duplexes, and there was a Cuban family and then two other American families, um, and the two other American families were extremely kind. I, we had a very positive experience but i do know that that wasn't necessarily the experience of of everyone Mm -hmm. um so you know i don't want to paint a picture that isn't well true we we were very lucky to you know and then since factory work i mean look there's a lot of spanish people that do this kind of work Mm -hmm. my mom had a very close community of co-workers that were also right. Cubans. Yeah. Um, so that that was where a lot of um, our like family friendships were built because of the work that she because of the work that she did. Right. So um, so but there were so in in jest, but you know with a bit of like truth her her friends would always criticize her that she's driving around in this beat up car and she has me in a private school um but again my my parents had one goal and that was to provide me the best opportunity that they could possibly provide me now at this time was your sister born too no um my sister and i are 11 years apart oh wow i didn't know that okay okay so it was just me and my parents um and so so because the private school the christian school had the the child care my parents were able to work and then pick me up and then we'd come home Mm -hmm. and then I would stay at home by myself and then they would leave to go clean um, office buildings so man I've heard that story so many times with Cubans oh yeah I I think every every Cuban I know knows somebody who worked who cleaned office buildings yeah especially back in the day yeah 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 because that was the night job yeah yeah my dad did it my dad, I think, I think my dad did it for a while too. He was clean. He's he cleaned some office buildings at night. Yeah, it's pretty so interesting. Yeah. my mom, my parents would like tell me a million times, never open the door. I'm I'm little. I'm like, like you know, six or seven years old. I when I think about it, I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> to leave Luke by himself, like, <laughs> but. When you don't have a choice, like you, you just do the best you can. Yeah. Um, one night I did open the door, and it was a Jehovah Witness, and they <laughs> caught me. They caught me because they give out those little flyers. Yeah. And I had a little flyer at the house, and they were like, 
how did this get in the house? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't we I don't use the term latchkey kid anymore. You ever heard that latchkey? Yeah, yeah. 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 it's like that's yeah. not well, that, that's what that's what we were growing up, and uh, we were given all these tips and tricks of what to say over the phone. Like if you answered the phone or if someone came to the door, and I remember one time somebody came to the door and I opened it, and they said, "Can I talk to your dad?" And I had this rote response of like, "No, he's in the shower." Right, you knew the exact same one, right? He's in the shower. He says, "Well, how about your mom?" And I just did the same rote response. I said, "No, she's in the shower." <laughs> and he stopped and he looked at me. He's like, "Both of them, huh?" I'm like, I just shrugged. I was like, "You know, it's that time." <laughs> so they would take me with them when they could, but they obviously knew that that wasn't allowed, and they were afraid of losing, you know. Yeah. Their job, yeah. that job, because you know they're, you know they were bringing. Sure. Yeah. You can't so there's a, there was a lot of fear. Yeah. Because you can't communicate. Um. So, because of that, I, I feel like I grew up very fast mm. because I was, the, communicator. I was the translator. I was the one that. read all the letters, had all the communication. Mm. And even though there was a decent Cuban community in in Tampa, everything was English. Yeah. Um, and I am, th- thank goodness I was very self-motivated because my parents had no idea about helping me with homework or mm-hmm. that is why I'm such a terrible speller. <laughs> I didn't have any help when I was little. Wow. Just kidding. <laughs> Thank goodness for uh, autocorrect on yeah, the Yeah, exactly. Amen. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. So you've, you've been back to Cuba a couple of times, I think. Um, I have been back twice. Unfortunately, I, um, I wish that I can say that I've been back more, but I, I we're hoping to go maybe in December but because I was born there, I have to have a Cuban passport. And so I had lost, um, well, my Cuban passport had expired. And so I sent it off in, in January, but I still haven't gotten it back. It, I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of time that it takes to get your Cuban passport renewed. Yeah. But I've been back twice. The first time that I was back, um, well, so before I I get there so you know all this time passes and my parent remember my mom has eight brothers and sisters and we have you know a very large family and um, my dad had a brother and a sister Um, so this entire time that I'm in Tampa high school we have zero family like nobody you know, we'd have Thanksgiving and it would be me, my mom, my dad, and my sister. Like, no family, zero. Um, and that was, like, super depressing mm-hmm. at times. And then my parents get divorced and then it's me, my mom, and my sister. Yeah. For holidays and... Um, but my mom, again, being the matriarch of the family if you would call it um and if you know my mom um like her garage is basically like a big warehouse for cuba 
Right. So anything that anybody is throwing away or donating or getting rid of, she takes and puts in her uh, garage because it's going to Cuba. Yeah. So over the years, like she, she has probably clothed every single member of our family in Cuba. Um, there are people walking around with shirts that clearly, you know, they did not go to Florida Christian or, <laughs> you know. Um, Big fans of Shark Week. Yeah, or you worked at Granada, like, and, and, and they have, yeah, exactly, Discovery Kids t-shirts, and it's, it's really kind of funny, all the way up in the mountains, and you saw it, right, Christina? Anyway, so, so over the years, like, that's been very heavy on, like, on, I, I think my dad disconnected very much from it and he just I I don't know exactly I think he internalized things a lot more and just kind of became kind of uh, I I don't even know how to describe Did it Did he ever go back? Um he went back for the first time um about 3 years ago and that, that was monumental. Hmm. But um, my mom um, went back as often as she could, and she would, um, yeah, the first time that I went back with her, it was when things were really bad in Cuba, and you were only allowed to take a certain amount of of luggage, and I, I mean, I wish that I had a picture of what I looked like when I went back to Cuba, like... I had a shower curtain stuffed down my pants. I had I was wearing like five different pair of underwears, yeah. men's yeah. boots, a jacket filled with. I mean, it was it's ridiculous. I right. mean, it's almost and like and that comical. was just to get it into the country. Exactly right. to to be able to get it in to yeah. to you the were country. Like reverse shoplifting. Yeah, I, yeah basically. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the first time that I went back, um, it was. I I landed in Cuba and um, I think that the goal of the people in, in, in the airport, and it's not so much now, but then it was like, you left, we're going to make you suffer. We're going to, like, you're bringing your family members things back. We're going to make you pay through the nose to take any of it out. Yeah. Um, and I remember them... They basically treat you treat you like a dog. What year was this? That I went. I, I yeah. was. Um, I had just graduated. Um, I think it was like in two thousand and two. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and so I we finally made it through the airport. I think we had to end up paying like five hundred dollars. I think that honestly, if you looked at everything we brought, it wasn't even worth five hundred dollars. Right. Um, but it's like, what do you do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so I remember leaving the airport and they had at that time, um, gate, uh, like, uh, Bob Dwyer, like fences that were like 12 feet tall to keep all the Cubans that were waiting for their family members to keep them out. Right. And it was like the scene of a, um, like, you know, a concert where people are like waiting to get in. Yeah. Um, and I remember just walking out and seeing this, like, 
it was so it was I just remember I just could not physically control myself and I just I remember just like weeping mm. and weeping um just seeing this could have been me yeah you know you could be on the other side of that exactly yeah. and and then I remember seeing my family members for the first time ever in person family members that I'd heard about for years because remember my mom was extremely close to her family so um stories of all of my aunts and uncles and seeing all of them there waiting f for me to meet me it it was it was a moment that I will never forget mm. it was such an emotional experience and walking through those doors you know to to get out it was like stepping back into like the twilight zone back into the 1950s mm -hmm. it was if you've ever been yeah it's, it's a surreal experience it's a surreal experience yeah. and it i mean i went uh in uh, the first time i went with a group of guys don wasn't on that trip don's here but he wasn't on that he, he went later and uh, but we went uh, and your we went with your mom and dave was there your husband and we uh and 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 it was it was a similar experience. Now, at that time, she was already a veteran. Exactly. And, and going to Cuba. So she yeah. was like, I'll take care of this. I got this. You know, yeah. and, it, and we were just following her lead. And I, I had the same experience. Now, they had taken the fence down, I think, at that point. I don't yeah. remember there being a fence. But, but it was like ro just like a, a mass of, of Cubans. And that, that airport and where we all land when we, we get there is, is probably... Uh, three miles from where my parents got married and lived, so you know it was it was, and I had never been there. Yeah. And it was it was for for me that whole all those cars. Yeah. And then seeing a sign that says Santiago de Las Vegas, you know, this many kilometers down the street, and and I'm just like, this is where my whole family lived. It was right here, and and seeing all that come together. Yeah. At that point was. I mean, it was it was like a Twilight Zone episode. It was it was just very very peculiar. So when you when you um, let me ask you one question about your passport. Mm -hmm. You said because uh, I'm curious about this because every every Cuban has a different experience leaving Cuba with their passports. My parents um, they were able to keep theirs, I believe, when they left in '62. Yes. Um, others later on had this p they stamped on them uh, null and like a null and void passport when they left the country that were what was uh, did well, your parents keep your did yes, you guys keep yours yes we did because technically yeah. we left legally okay all right so we had permission from the government to leave mm. so we we were able to keep our our passports okay so you had those, but it weren't yeah. uh, uh, like remember my mom thought she would never be able to return like yeah. you're leaving thinking that's it i'm never stepping foot back on this land again ever now did your dad when he when he said he wanted to when he went before he went back yeah uh, did he have were his reservations on going back were they family related or were they politically related um i think that he i think it, he was honestly i think he was afraid to go back just afraid. Yeah. I think he was afraid. I think that 
even though he he doesn't vocalize it or verbalize it, I really do think that there was a lot of like hurt there and to to go back to something that was so painful mm-hmm. I think he just didn't want to deal with it yeah you know I think for my mom it was different because the first chance that she had nothing was going to stop her from going back to her family but not just going back to her family go back to be able to provide something yeah look I'm coming back and I'm bringing you things you know yeah so me leaving wasn't in vain. I, I feel like my mom has always had this like plight of almost like not proving, but like, look, I know that I left, but I'm able to take care of you. And I'm, you know... She never mm-hmm. stopped being the matriarch. Never, never. Right. And still to this day. So, fast forward, um, about 10 years ago, there was this um, program that came out. It was called the Cuban Reu- Reunification Act. Um, that would, exactly what what it says, it would unify Cubans that were separated... Mm-hmm. Um, during not just the Marielle, but the whole, right. you know, situation. Yeah, over 50 years. Exactly, yeah. over 50 years. So if you had a parent or a spouse or a sibling that was still there, you could fill out this paperwork and attempt to, to try to bring them over. Um, so remember, it was just me and my mom mm-hmm. and my sister, and we were like, Let's fill it out. Let's see. Filling it out thinking this is never going to happen. And so she had four siblings that she knew, five siblings that could come and survive. But she knew that three were in the country and it just, it would not make any sense for them to, to come. Um, and so we filled out the paperwork and so today my mom has four of her siblings here with their husbands and so our Thanksgivings and Christmases are (laughs) very different. Um, it's, I, I mean, it's, it really is. Sometimes I have to like pinch myself and be like, wow, this is, this is what family is like. The, I, for so many years, I had no, no connection whatsoever to family. I, I just, I didn't have that experience. I didn't have the grandparents or the cousins or the, it, it was just us. Yeah. Um, so it was. So how was that first Thanksgiving with the, with some uh, of the, with all the siblings here? What, did mean, they get turkey or did they? Oh eat no pork? no no! Yeah, Dave, <laughs> Dave fried turkeys okay. and we had mashed potatoes. So it was like a and, typical oh, American. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, of course they're Black going through the, the line and they have no idea what this stuff is. Yeah. Like they're scared of green bean casserole. Yeah yeah. They're like, 
I'm like, try it. It's delicious. Oh, this is a, this is like National Lampoon's American Thanksgiving. Like that would be great. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, so it's 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 a looking Wait, back. It's been a beautiful journey. Who's, who's Clark? Is it is it Clark Griswold or Pepe Dave? Pena or? Da- Dave's Clark. Oh, Dave's yeah. Clark. Yeah. Oh, Dave's Clark. Dave's Clark. Okay, okay, I gotcha. She's yeah. a beauty, Clark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I have a question about so. I, my grandfather immigrated from Russia, and in the 80s, it was rough to be of Russian descent during the Cold War, and definitely got beat up for being part Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, when you hear people like movies like Scarface that paint the boat lift in a very particular light, or yeah. people talk about it kind of like um, off the cuff and and maybe not really being very educated about what it actually yeah. is. Does that kind of broad paintbrush of, I think I've actually heard the phrase, and I don't know who said this. Mark, our great producer will probably look it up and find it, but like, it's like Castro flushed the toilet. Yeah. Is a phrase that I've heard regarding yeah, that. Yeah. When you, to, to, today, when you hear those kind of ignorant statements, does that have, does that elicit something in your gut you know I, I honestly i feel sorry for people that think like that i i don't i don't have like this anger or um because i know that what it was was for me and my family something so different it was an enormous sacrifice for my parents because they they wanted and it sounds so cliche I hate saying it it sounds so like silly but they 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 didn't want me oh well I'm sorry to stop in mid-sentence but when I went back that first time I went to the house that I grew up in Mm. and I went to the neighbor's house and I met the girl that was Mm -hmm. born like the same week that actually she was born the week before I was and my mom was going to name me Janet but the neighbor stole the name oh come (laughs) on and so I actually came home without a name and then my parents got creative and they gave you the Cuban the most Cuban name in the world (laughs) made up a name um (laughs) You know, right. and then so I get here and I have to make my own translation of Mirelis. Yeah. Um, and so I, I made my, up my own translation and somehow left out the S. So when I say my name in English, I always say Morelli. Yeah. And they're like, does it have an S? Is S your middle name? And I was I'm, actually going to ask that. Yeah. So it, 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 I really should have said Mirelis. Like I see it spelled out. Or Morelis. Yeah. But, you know, when you're four and you're translating your name into a different language, you do the best you can. Yeah. So <laughs> I left out the S on accident. Yeah. Anyway, so I go back. I meet Janet. And Janet is the one that is, her job is in her backyard raising pigs, raising pigs. Yeah. to sell them to, to make a you know, livelihood. And when we left that house, I, I just looked at my mom and... She knew I didn't, I mean, we didn't have to say anything. I just, I remember hugging her and just, just, you know, whispering in her ear, thank you. Thank you because today I get to sit behind a desk and influence people 
Yeah. You know, and I could have been really struggling in a different situation. In a different situation. Yeah. yeah, I had that same experience when I came back from that first trip. The first thing I did was we we went to a, a little get together at, at my sister's house, and my parents were there, and they didn't want me to go. Yeah. Originally, and uh, and I, I and they were sitting there, and I went up to them, and the first thing I did was I went up and I said thank you for 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 leaving Cuba when you did, because what I saw there broke my heart. Yeah. You know, just it's it's not it's not uh you know looking down on them like you know we opened up and i said about the pig farmer and all that i know you weren't you weren't belittling right. her at all but you look at that situation and you say and you say oh my god how could i have how, how could how could how could you live in this system that that not only is it hard to live i mean they they live yeah, they 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 do live life there. It's it's make no mistake about it. They they and and I, I think that it's a testament to the Cuban people that they kept that the neighbors kept your pictures and your dresses and all that. I mean that's that's incredible. I don't I I I can't imagine that happening here. No, in the exactly. United States. Right. So, but but was, I yeah, it's, exactly. it's it's a beautiful thing. But at the same time, you you look at the not only that, but the that you always have somebody watching you, and uh, the you know that your neighbor. W- that also some of those people in that neighborhood would say, hey, look, they're taking stuff out of the house. They're going to leave the country. You know, they're, yeah. just, they're worms. Yeah. You know, let's let's report them. You know, and that, I mean, that's uh, I can't imagine living in that system. I've never been. But um, you, you've been a number of times, Marcos, and I, I've, you've told me about that. That still happens. Right. There's still people that kind of like a. a Oh, a yeah. ward of the neighborhood. Oh yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I told the story. Don and I were talking about it the other day. We we uh, we went to Morelli's uh, aunt's house. She lived in, in, in a little suburb of Havana, and and you know we Don and I like to camp. We we've camped often, and 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 we we decided that night it was a nice night. We're like, man, there's a there's a moon over Havana. I mean, this is really cool. Let's sleep on the roof. They have they had a, a house in Fontanar yeah, with a flat, flat roof. roof. And we slept up there. Problem was, it was reggaeton playing uh, down <laughs> a few blocks down until two in the morning. Then the the the, the cock started crowing at about three thirty four, so we didn't get much sleep. But then, right right as the sun was rising, there was a, an apartment building, two houses down, and we heard whispers coming from in, from somewhere. And I was like, oh boy. And sure enough, they had re- they later they reported her. They came to her, the community watchdog, the Comité de Defensa yeah. de la Revolución, it's called, Committee for the Defense of the Revolution, and they 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 gave her crap about it. Wow. And uh, and she she got like I don't know what they did, but right, they but reprimanded. Say, you, you, you you had people sleeping. What do you care? Yeah. You know what what is what does it matter? You know, but that's that's basically how it is there. Yeah, it's 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 still it's still very much that way. So in that first trip that I went back, I I was able to collect a lot of those, the baby pictures and the, so that was a really neat experience to see all these pictures that I'd never seen before. Yeah. I'd never had like baby pictures or like a any documentation of like that I was actually They baby. were there. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there had been question. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but it, it was really cool because I, I have these pictures now and, and my daughter in, in, I, I'm so thankful that I have these, these memories because like 
I, I'm a, I was able to see that I, like my daughter was like my little twin. You know, yeah, yeah. These pictures <laughs> that, mm-hmm. you know, That's to neat. be able to have that was, was right. really, really nice. Right. So I'm going to pause for a second. Okay. This is good since we're pausing anyway. Um, by the way, we're going to edit this, catch by the way. Yeah. So it's not going to be, you know, oh, a three-hour show or anything like that. <laughs> but I had, I had one reported. thing I wanted to see. No, we're, we're actually yeah. shorter than yeah. a lot of times we've done it. We're like oh, an yeah, hour and really? 20 right now. Okay. So an hour and 20? An hour and 20. We're shorter. Oh, my That's goodness. That's shorter yeah. than some of them have done. <laughs> I've been talking that long. I'm so sorry, people. No, I've, it's I've riveting. It's riveting. I've several times. Yeah. Dumb stories. You know what? I'm not going to go into it. It was a, it was a story about because I don't know if it'll fit anyway. But the story about I, I w- Dave told me about your somebody, a cousin of yours, someone who got arrested for for chicken bartering chickens or something like that, or like a black market chicken selling chickens on the black market in Cuba. Oh yeah, my cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Are you are you okay talking about? Yeah. That? Yeah. Well, I'll talk about anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he. So you had told yeah I I heard a story about uh, that Dave told me your husband of of a cousin of yours that got into some trouble in Cuba. Yeah. So so recently my um, my dad's nephew um, got arrested and was in jail for about two years because he was selling chickens on on the black market. Chickens on the black market. Now, this is what this isn't for. These aren't like no, not to special fight. So like golden egg laying chickens no, or anything no, no, like no, that. Chickens to eat. Chickens to eat. Right. Right. Because that's illegal in in Cuba. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Where do you get your chickens in Cuba then? If you can't. You you have to. Well, if you live on a farm, you're lucky enough to to raise them, but if you live in in the city, I mean, you know, if you live in apartment buildings, you can't have chickens so you, you have to buy them from from the government if they have them mm-hmm. and that's a big if right and there's no supermarkets or anything like that no so basically everybody gets a little booklet yeah that the food is rationed so you have a certain amount of like you can buy this amount of beans for the month and this amount of rice mm-hmm. um so it it enable it gives you the access to buy it yeah but you still have to buy it. Yeah. Um, but you might go wait in line for hours to buy it and they might run out. Yeah. So then obviously there's a black market that, um, and I'm sure they run out because the people steal it to sell it in the black market. Yeah. So the, the, the Cuban government create itself created yeah. a black market exactly. out of necessity. It's a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Like old time Russia. So, uh, Okay, so Morellis, thank you so much for sharing your story with thank us. You. Uh, I was actually really looking forward to it, and I'm so I feel privileged to have heard it. And thank you. I hope that uh, we we want this to we wanted to record this so it will last, and people will be able to. If anybody has any question about Mariel, you can say, "Wait, I got something you can yeah, listen there, to." Yeah, there's a lot more to it than what you've seen in Scarface. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so this has been the Elector Podcast, and we're signing off. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.